Get your Bibles out and go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Sermon, the sermon today is called Loving Life and Seeing Good Days. So my question is, do you want to love your life and see good days? Okay, at eight people. Is there anybody else in the building? All right, the Bible actually answers this. Now, I'm going to make a request of you. I got your attention, didn't I? I need you to do something with me. I need you to give me some grace. In the last month, I have met and talked to five teenagers, young men and women, who were raised in church that no longer walk with God. Now, I'm not upset at them. I'm not mad at them. I just talked to them. And I began to hear stuff that kind of shocked me a little bit. A couple of them went to this church when they were younger. And they don't anymore. I went home and began to sit back and think about where did we fail? Because we... We, and I'm not saying, we're not, let's don't blame the parents. I'm going to tell you the blame falls on me. Not on the youth pastors, not on the parents. It falls on, it falls on me, it falls on pastors in America today. And one, one of the things that I found out with kids, one of the young men said, I'm exploring other options. I went, I didn't know there was any other options to explore. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We all realize this. And there's a moral breakdown in America today. And, and I'm, not, I'm not leading up to preach a hellfire sermon. So don't worry. It'll be good. But there is a moral breakdown in America today. We have young people walking out of church who have no idea what sin is. We got people who don't know what sin is. I'm talking about evangelical, charismatic, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy rollers who do not know what sin is. And it's our fault. And I'm going to tell you where the, why this happened. When many of you grew up in your churches, denominational churches, you heard on a regular basis, there is none righteous, no, not one. Pastors preached that, and, and in the context, it was true. They're taught, when you start, when we have a group of people in a building who are good people, and they say, I'm a good person, there has to come, you have to know what sin is. You don't need a cure if you don't know you got the disease. Now think about what I'm about to say. This is extremely important. So we had preachers getting up and say, there's none righteous, no, not one. They'd read Romans 3 and for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And we had people in churches who were aware that your goodness is not going to get you there. You're going to church is not going to get you there. And so the preachers would preach on what sin is. And then, they, then people would realize they've got an issue and they'd give an altar call. People would come forward and receive Jesus and be born again. But what happened is, is that people don't read their Bibles. They don't know that because they got born again, they're no longer unrighteous. So there, there came a movement in America 
to teach us that we've been made the righteousness of God. That, that Paul was talking and what he was saying is that, that righteousness is a gift. Paul did not say you weren't righteous. He said you're not righteous by law. But if you don't preach law, people won't know what sin is. We have a whole generation that doesn't even know sex is sin, homosexuality is sin, lying is sin. I mean, and you go on Facebook, it doesn't take you long to figure out these people are voting and they're crazy. And I'm taking the blame for it. I'm telling you, it's our fault. But, but I'm going to tell you why it's our fault. Now, I want you to hold on to your hats. We don't preach a lot of live right. Not in church anymore. We don't, we don't talk about it. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Many, many people know they're wrong. They know they're wrong. They don't, they don't need to hear sin every Sunday morning. God knows I don't need to hear that. You need, you need a good diet of God loves you, cares about you, wants the best for you. Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly. But if that's all you're ever hearing, it's out of balance. There's a second reason that preachers stop preaching on it. You, a church is a business. It takes money to run this thing. When you don't like the sermon you vote, and you usually leave. Many preachers can't handle the exodus that happens when people don't like what's being said from the pulpit. So they quit saying anything. And you're killing your kids. The, 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 the America's suffering because of this. You need to love righteousness and hate sin. You, we, we need to let preachers come back and preach right and wrong. Yes, and, 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 let's, and let's say you come to church and you don't have a fuzzy feeling. That wasn't a bad sermon. Thank you. I'll come over here. I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm going to name some names here and I'm, because I'm proud of them. You know, when you pastor a church of 300 people, whether you like it or not, the world does not think I'm smart. Because if I was, I'd be on television. Or the church would be bigger. I can show you big churches where the pastor is a fruitcake. Absolutely a numb nut. Hitler's a numb nut. He had a crowd. Okay. I, I am excited that Andrew Womack... Kenneth Copeland and others have started preaching on live right. I'm, I'm so excited because I was starting to feel a little bit like a rabbit in a beagle pen for a while. Like, what is this, what is this little guy down there in a pop think he knows about anything? Because you judge sermons from preachers in churches by how the big dogs are doing. Whether you like it or not, everybody does it. That doesn't make it right or wrong. So I'm glad that these guys are starting to, to say some things because if we do not, if this nation does not turn, 
God will take his hand off this nation. Now, I, know, I don't want to say that, and I know God knows nobody wants to hear that. I'm going to say it one more time. We, we, if, when preachers use the word judgment, in church, that's a cuss word. It's a bad word. And so the preacher says, today we're going to talk about judgment. I'll guarantee you, that's, there's 40 people won't be back next Sunday. But judgment's good when, it's, when you understand what it is. When a policeman gives you a share revenue coupon, that's judgment. And if they weren't out on the road, the roads would be crazy if we didn't have police. The world would be crazy if we didn't have judgment. All judgment is, is God taking his hand off you and let you eat your stupid for a little while so that you can wake up and go, am I stupid? Yes, you are. And so, so a parent who disciplines their child, that is love. That is love. Pastors who preach on live right, that is love. Truth is love. That's love. Not, not every Sunday, you know, nobody wants that. I don't, want, I don't want that. So occasionally, you have to allow pastors to go back to preaching. This generation over there needs truth more than any other generation. These guys are voting they're fixing to get married, and it's our responsibility to make sure that they enter life and they're able to make it. And the only place I know that's happening is church, if you let it. So I need grace. I need you to let me do my job. I'm, being, I'm, being, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, let me preach on stuff. That's not necessarily comfortable. Next, next Sunday, I know it's near Christmas. I'm going to be preaching in a minute. I hadn't even started my sermon yet. I'm going to be preaching on, on, on 1 Peter. Well, let, let's go over there. Let, let's read this. I want to show you something. And, and believe me, the first service, everybody said it was a good message. So don't, don't worry. I'm not going to. I'm not going to nail your hide to the wall like Jello, okay? I'm just, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, he who would love life and see good days. How many of you would like to love your life and see good days? I do. But everything that he's fixing to mention has to do with living right. You cannot separate a good life from living right. You, no, you cannot do it. There is no such thing as an immoral person with a good life. And 22 years of age, I'd already been locked up, thrown in prison. Uh, listen, I, my life was hell on earth and it was my life. When I came to Jesus, I didn't just get saved from going to hell. I got saved from sin and its consequences. So God said to me, the day I got saved, stop. The dope goes in the trash, the marijuana goes in the trash, the playboys go in the trash, the rock music goes in the trash, and some country western music. Most country. Folks, listen, he asked me to make a change. Change. Told me to get a job. Go to work. Get there early. Keep your mouth shut. 
and he became a dad. And a lot of it was corrective, but it was love. He became the dad I never had, and he straightened my life out. Church should be this way. If you will let it be, is that fair? So I'm going to start this morning. I want to preach a sermon on how to have a good life. And we're going to read what Peter says, and, I, and let's read it. I want to go back up to verse 8, 3, 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind. Have compassion on one another. That's mercy. Love as brothers. Stop right there. Stop right Love is hard. It is hard to walk in love. It is hard to be patient and kind with people. Well, you won't slap the mud out of somebody. It, it is hard to be a Christian. It's hard to be a member of a church. It's hard to, talk, to walk in love all the time. It's hard. Marriage is difficult. Your flesh, there's a tendency to be selfish. America is selfish. So you say, I want to be a Christian. You're going to take selfishness, listen to me, and you're going to kill it. You're going to lay it on the altar. You're going to slay selfish tendencies in you. That's what walking in love is. It means doing something for someone else's benefit, even if it costs you. That's what Jesus gave you and I. So when he's talking about walking in love, he's not talking about be sweet. He's talking about how to handle your husband when he's mean. Or your wife when she's ugly. Or you're, are you all out there to you go home? That's the earmark of you being a Christian. And it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. The hardest thing I've ever done in my life is pastor this church. Not because of y'all, but because of me. The person that had to change the most was me. I think God put me in this church to kill me. And he did. You go around and ask people, ask people who've been here for 30 years that have been around this church like the May family and ask them, say, is he the same? And they'll go, oh, no. And God knew I was a numb nut and he put me in the office anyway. He said, don't worry, they'll kill him. And they did. And everything that died needed to die. Selfishness, arrogance needed to die. That's why God leaves you in a church because you, you're not ready. You're not ready for heaven. You're not where you need to be. And he's going to make sure that if you leave this one, the next one's worse. Just if you think that God don't know where you are, ask Jonah. He can find you. <laughs> what do you think a ship is? Fellowship. All of you be of one mind, compassion one another, as brothers tender hearted, be courteous. Do not return evil for evil. 
That's got to be the most difficult verse I've ever read in my Bible in my entire life. Because Lisa says, this is the joke around my house, but she says, my name is Double D. I don't have a D personality, I got a DD personality. What that means is I have a bad habit that if I don't like you, I'll tell you. If I don't like something, I'll tell you about that too. Nobody ever walks around wanting to know what I'm thinking. I'll tell you what I'm thinking. And that's terrible. Because there are times when I've had to learn, be quiet. When someone is on your case, be quiet. And I had this, I had this verse on my refrigerator door, visor in the truck, posted to the steering wheel and on Lisa's forehead. Because I had to, I went through a period of my time where I had to quit saying something every time somebody said something to me. Now here's the good news. He's fixing to make a statement here. I want you to listen to this. He who would love life and see good days, refrain your tongue. He didn't say get an education. He didn't say make more money. He didn't say kill everybody around you. He said if, if, that, if your life is not going the way you want it to go, you got an issue about one inch under your nose. Your mouth has got you in the mess you're in today. Mine too. Come on, I'm not preaching it to you. I'm talking holiness. I warned you. Let me, let me preach on live right sometimes. Let me, t- see, there is no good life without living right. There, it does not exist. It's not possible, is it sure? You can't do it. And this little thing is the rudder of your life. It's guiding your ship. He who would love life and have good days, refrain your tongue from evil and your slips from speaking deceit. Go with me now to to, um, uh, (laughs) James chapter three. Everybody say, I think he's fixing to get real good. I'm gonna start with verse one. I love the book of James. James is a pastor. Paul is an apostle. Sometimes we need to hear Pastor James. My brethren, let's not many of you become teachers knowing you're going to receive a stricter judgment. Every one of us stumble into many things. But if anyone does not stumble in his words, he is a mature man and able to bridle his whole body. Woo! If God could just ever get your mouth straight, why do you think when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, he gets your tongue? <laughs> now, this is a good, now, this is good news. Here's the, and this, this is why this is good news. Because now you and I know that we don't have to straighten up everybody around us. And I'm going to show you in a minute that trouble's coming from people. But it's extremely important how you react to trouble. Now, back over in 1 Peter, he said, so that you will inherit a blessing. Yes. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to go to the end of my sermon and come back. Mercy triumphs judgment. 
I want you to think about this for a minute because listen to me, this is massively, this is what changed me. This is what finally got my attention. When I'm retaliating against someone, trouble is coming to get me in the mud with that. With, that person is in mud, the mud and they want me in the mud. So they're bringing trouble because I'm going to reap what I sow, not what they sow. So if I retaliate with mercy, mercy comes on me. It is good. Once you learn this, you, America is, I mean, everybody's mad. Get mad with them if you want to, but I'm not going to get mad with them. As a matter of fact, the people that are upset, they need Jesus. Lisa and I have an architect because we're, we're doing an addition to our house or attempting to. And the architect has been somewhat of a pain. I mean, when someone doesn't call you in three weeks. Now, I told Lisa, hire a lawyer. Lisa said, I'm going to pray for him. She prayed for him. He called her back. I like my way better. Let's just, let's get, hey, let's get down. We rough you up a little bit. We go get Jojo. You give him a, a Prince Jack. All right. I got to tell you all the story. I got to stop right now. We had a man that came to this church years ago named Carmen Chandler. Carmen was in the mob. Carmen's Italian. And his grandfather was the head of the Pennsylvania Mafia. And he came down here because he has taken the drugs he's supposed to be selling. And he's running from the Mafia and there's a hit on him to kill him. And he gets born again. They go back and get him born again. Uh, they, they go back up there and get the head of the Pennsylvania Mafia saved. So Carmen came to church here for a while. And he, he has that talk. I love it. So he meets me in the foyer one day. He says, Pastor. I want you and Lisa to go out and have lunch on me and, me and Ginger. And I give you a little money. And I got a, I got a cousin named Jojo. And named Jojo. I'm not making this up. And he got a restaurant over here in Altamont. And I want to treat you. Going in there, tell Jojo Carmen sent you. And so I'm messing with Carmen. And I'm joking with him. I said, okay, I'm going to say, uh, shut the joint down, dude. I mean, he said, and Carmen said, don't do it, don't do it. That's not funny. JoJo's in the mob. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll go eat and I won't say nothing. <laughs> so every once in a while, I want to call JoJo. But Lisa wants to pray. She got her prince. She said to me, he's not saved. Be merciful. Be kind. Are you out there? Sometimes our wives are good for us. You know? I know, I know Zach's out there going, I think I like to call Jojo Mozo. <laughs> I'm trying to preach a hellfire sermon. Y'all are laughing too much. All right, look, let's go back up here. 
Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths so they'll obey us and turn their whole body. Have y'all ever seen the movies where a kid goes out and he's got a horse? And he's got to be about that tall. And he walks the horse up to a fence, puts a ladder on the fence, climbs up the ladder, stands on top of the fence post and jumps on the back of that horse. You have 40 pounds of nothing riding 1,500 pounds of sinew and muscle and making it mine. How is he doing that? There's a bit in his mouth. That horse ain't worried about that kid. He just don't like that bit. Now, he's making a statement here that your flesh is powerful, but your tongue is more powerful. The, 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 your tongue can, he literally says, you can set a forest fire from hell on with your mouth. You can create hell on earth with your mouth. Now, Satan knows it. That's why he's out to get in your mouth. Let's look at another one. Verse 4, look at ships, although they're so large or driven by, by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires to go or desires. If you get in a boat in Titusville and you're headed to Nassau, how you know you're going to get there? And what if a storm comes up? Does the storm matter? Well, it's going to throw you around. But it shouldn't stop you from getting to Nassau. Why? Because you're the one with the steering wheel and the rudder. That boat's going where you steer it, not where the the sea is steering it. So let's stop for a minute. All the stuff that's happening to you right now that you've got your mouth on it, it's not your problem. Your mouth's the problem. That's heavy. You and I are determining what happens to us. Now, now the devil's telling you your circumstances are. That's why we react and we get out of love. That's the issue. Not the, the circumstance didn't create that. Your heart did. Jesus said out of the abundance of your heart, Your mouth is speaking. So if you want your life to go right, you have to go back and start doing something not with with the circumstances, but your own heart. When we preach consecration, that is for your benefit. It's not a detriment. Preaching holiness is the best thing anybody ever did for you. Amen. Can y'all see this? All right. The tongue is a is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defines the whole that it defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Every kind of beast and bird and reptile has been tamed and tamed by mankind, but no man can tame your tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now Understand something. When you're born again, your heart's different. Look at verse 9. With it we bless God and we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, that ought not be. 
Now you got two kinds of people on the earth, saved and unsaved. When someone comes up to you and they're ugly, if they're not born again, be merciful. If they are born again, their family, be merciful. Well, it just covered all the bases. Now, if this, this is not, I didn't say this is easy to do, but I did say it's very, very necessary. If you want a good life, you're going to do something with the way you talk. Now, now, are y'all okay? Even if you're not, it don't matter. Go to Luke 8. I'm not going to read all of this, but I want you to read one scripture here. Luke 8, 11. Well, I'm not going to start there. I'm, going to, I'm just going to paraphrase this whole thing and get down to verse 15. Pop 15 on the screen. Jesus is telling a parable of the sower sows the seed. The thing that he's going to deal with here are three areas. The world, the flesh, and the devil. He's going to talk about temptation to sin. He's going to talk about the cares and riches and pleasures. He's going to talk about the the world. See, today, the church is supposed to be influencing the world, and the world is influencing the church. And this, this this is not good. We're becoming more and more secular in church, in Christians. But then he makes a statement. He says, the ones that fell on good ground are those who eliminated everybody that caused them any trouble. Hitler did that. How many people you hear on Facebook? We're just going to kill them. I'll divorce you. I'm leaving. Really? Where's the real problem? The ones that fell on good ground are those having heard the word with a noble and good heart. Trouble is showing you your heart. And it's giving you an opportunity to sow into your future. Out of a noble and good heart, if you're, when your heart is right, your mouth is right. When your mouth is right, your life is going to turn around to the, for the better. Once you see this, you're thinking, well, hold on a minute. That's all I've ever had to do is just guard my mouth? Yes. Don't say everything that comes to your mind. All right, let me look at another scripture here. Um, Proverbs 15, 28. We'll just give her a minute because I want to read this. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. This is just good wisdom. And, I, and I'm going to say this to the young people. When you get married, don't say everything you're thinking. You might want to come sit with me at least a little while. When things aren't going well, Look at your spouse and say, I'll get back with you in a little while. Because I'm not going to say something right now that's going to cost me major. I got to go think about what I'm fixing to say. 
Jackie, is this good advice? Yes. I take it you've Hallelujah. done that. You too, darling. <laughs> I got another scripture for you ladies. <laughs> Tiffany's the one that caused me to think of this scripture, so it's, we're going to blame <laughs> Tiffany. What are you going to do with that scripture that says, if your husband is not living right, without a word, convert him? Oh, I, listen, listen to me, ladies. If your Christianity is not enough to turn him, your mouth won't. I'll come over here and say this. You know, listen, there's times just to be quiet. The Bible says without a word. You're... you're nagging all you're doing is making him mad come on and what happens is your te- your christianity is now if 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 your when your husband walks in that back door back there we're going to know it's because you are a godly woman You live it, he'll follow you. Amen. You run your mouth, you might be, a, might, you might be divorced. I, I'm talking about a heathen now. I'm not, I didn't say he's right. Of course, I read that in the Bible one time. How am I doing, Lisa? Jeremiah 33, no, 2911, pop it up on the screen. How's this for holiness, Shirley? This is good for holiness. All of you young people, I want to come into youth group one night and we just need to get down and talk about some stuff. You know, I love it. I love these young people and they, they kind of say, in your day. Everything that you're fixing to go through, we have been there, done that, and bought the t-shirt. I told my grandsons one time, I said, you don't know what you don't know, but I know what you don't know. Now look at this right here. I know the thoughts that thanks towards you, says the Lord. Look at this powerful thoughts of peace and not of evil. I want to give you a future and a home. That's good, isn't it? You want a good life? I want a good life. Let's go. Then you'll call on me. You'll pray to me and I'll listen to you and you'll seek me. And you will find me when you search for me, lukewarm, half-baked, and half-hearted. No, God ain't playing with you. When you, get, when you get serious with God, he'll get serious with you. Once your heart gets involved, that's how to get the mouth straight. And once you get the mouth straight, you got your life. You're getting your life back. All right. Now let's go down and, and let's look at one more. Okay. I'm going to make it through this and I'm going to live through the whole thing. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. And then we'll, we'll do two more scriptures and we're done. This is not bad for a holiness sermon preaching, is it? 
Yeah, woo. <laughs> bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's enough. What you bless can't hurt you, folks. What you bless cannot hurt you. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things in the sight of God. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself. Give place to wrath. It is written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. If your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him drink. So doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Let's go back to the cross now. Let's go to the cross. What happened that day? The Bible says in the book of Matthew that there was a man that owed a king 10,000 talents. A talent is a year's wages. 10,000 years wages. Get your phone out and figure out how much money that is based on your income. That's called a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But when you got born again, God forgave you the whole debt. All right, let me say it a different way. You're a worthless, no good, on your way to rotten hell sinner. God had mercy on you. Then he says that the guy went out and someone owed him $18 and grabbed him by the throat and said, you owe me, you dog. And the king heard about it and he was mad. Now, folks, we don't have the right to sit in judgment. You lost that right. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. You ain't never had a day that bad. That's been the hardest thing. When I worked, I was telling these guys in here, I used to work on an all-black crew. I said, God, how do I walk in love towards these guys? How, how, do I, how do you want me to act? The same way I did when I was on that cross. I said, that's hard. He said, yeah. He said, I want you to love these people that are treating you bad. And Omar came to me one day and said, Morgan, what you got? I said, what you mean what I got? He said, you got something I got. I don't know what he's... He said, Morgan, we give you hell. I said, yes, you do. He said, I want what you got. And he was being sincere. And sat down on a concrete block and got this man back in fellowship with God. Because I treated him the way God treated me. Not the way he deserved it. He didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. Go, go, now, now go with me back, back to the book of James. Go to the, go to the book of James. Are y'all okay? Are, are y'all, because if you're going to walk with God, uh, there's a reason people don't walk with God. This is not easy to do. Come on, Shirley, I need a little help right now. I need an amen corner. I need some. <laughs> James 2.12. So speak, speak, 
that's talk, and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Judgment is without mercy to the man who shows no mercy. Mercy is undeserved. That means that that person does not deserve it. And you're showing it anyway. Now go back to the, that scripture I, I read to you. To, to this you were called. Because you are a blessing, you become blessed. You're making the decision to be blessed by sowing mercy where no mercy was deserved. This is real. I just, I think we just got some marriages straightened out today. That sorry husband of mine, make him dinner. Make him his favorite dinner. And then go make love to him. We in church. I know we in church. And, and all the young people knew what I just said. I'm giving you permission to kill him. With kindness. You're going to come home today and he's going to go, where you been? Church, you need to go back there again. (laughs) You ain't had fun till you start being nice to ugly people. That is more fun because they don't know what to do with you. You acting like Jesus now. Are (laughs) y'all... Mercy triumphs over judgment. When you stand before God, what do you want him to say to you? Do you want mercy or judgment? What do you want? I want mercy. You don't realize this. This is a Christmas sermon. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. This is a Christmas sermon. I grew up in a world where we didn't even lock doors. People sang Christmas carols. People were nice to each other. Listen, we may not be in that world, but we're still in it. Why don't we just go ahead and just be Jesus in the world we're living in and quit crying about it and just be the light? Now, I'm going to read something I wrote, and then I'm going to give this to Lisa. Mercy makes you powerful. Judgment makes you weak. That's powerful. Jesus is powerful because he's merciful. Judgment makes you weak. Mercy creates light. Judgment creates misery. I'm talking about for you. Mercy begets mercy. Judgment begets judgment. Whatever a man sows, that and that only does he reap. Now, next Sunday, if you let me, can I continue on living right? 
May I? And I'm getting, because I'm going to tell you where I'm going to go. Lord willing. You remember the story of Balaam? Balaam went down, Balak hired him to curse the children of Israel. And he couldn't because the children of Israel were blessed. So he sent the Moabite, he, so he told the king, send the Moabite women in there and get them into sin. The plot to get the church in sin is from Satan. Because when the children of Israel got in sin, God judged them. You couldn't curse them because we're blessed coming in and blessed going out. But the wor- sin will kill you. And, and I want so much for you to understand that when Satan's bringing a temptation, uh, honey, that might be fun for a few minutes, but it's hell on earth. Are y'all okay with that? And that's in the church today. We're not talking about this anymore. We've got young people who, I mean, they have no idea. I mean, well, I I had to abort that baby. No, Uh, I wasn't married. Well, why were you sleeping around? Well, you know. No, I don't know. What kind of life do you want? I, I've t- I have touched two women. I married them both. I can't handle three. I don't want another woman. I got all I can handle right now. I quit watching cowboy movies because they'd say charge and she'd head to the store. <laughs> Folks, God has a real God has a real good plan. How am I doing, Maybell? Am I doing thank you? Well, y'all have been awesome today. In a moment, Lisa's going to come up here. So I want to talk to you a little bit about being born again. Just a second. I'm going to turn it over to Lisa. When a person has never made Jesus Lord of their life, and I want you to think about yourself right now. You will forever, you will feel like you feel now. You will always feel. You are an eternal being you will live forever. You will never f- die. From this, in a million years, in a hundred million years, you will be alive somewhere. You will think, smell, taste, touch, just like you do now. But 80% of the people in America do not go to heaven and don't know why. They don't know why. Because nobody ever told them. Jesus said, I am the way. One of the scriptures we need to get back to, and I, and I need to start preaching on this more. If you're not a Christian, if you've never made Jesus Lord, you're dead in sin. If you've lied, you're a liar. If you've taken a pencil, you're a thief. Do you understand sin separates you from God? Now, Jesus made a way because he's the only one, not Muhammad, not Buddha. He's the only one that could pay the debt. And so and Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Nobody gets to God but me. 
Now he's either God or he's crazy. He's not a good man. So if you're here today, and Lisa's going to stand up in a minute, and you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, you are lost. I didn't say you were wicked and immoral. I said you're lost. You're not going to hell for sinning. You're going to hell for rejecting Jesus. God already paid everyone's debt. So nobody goes to hell for sinning. But you are going to go to hell for what you did with Jesus. If you didn't receive him as Lord, when you die, God's not sending you. Satan's taken you. And he has rights to. That's the reason he sent preachers in the earth. Go preach good news to people. Go preach the gospel good news. We have a a nation who's never heard it. They don't even know they have a sin problem, much less need a savior. So in a moment, I'm gonna give it to Lisa, but if you're in here today and you need prayer, please, please get up and come up here and get some prayer. I want, I, I, I command everybody in this room to be in heaven. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something about being a pastor. You, you fall in love with people. And even though you love them, you see them screwing up. And you can't let them. That's, that's difficult. Because you want to hug them and lug them and spank them all in the same day. I do, not want to, I do not want to step in heaven and anybody sitting in this room not be there. Amen. You, you be there. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, you can rest then. <laughs> and then I can rest too. Amen. Hey, y'all have been awesome. You just survived a hellfire damnation sermon. No, good old holiness preacher. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.